0: Well, hi, everyone. Uh, This is Guillermo Deckett, and I'm with Trinity Grace Church, and I'm here with Derek McCollum from Hope Presbyterian Church and Ronnie Garcia from La Iglesia Travesia and Trinity Church in Puerto Rico. So Trinity Grace Church is in San Antonio. Hope Presbyterian is in New Braunfels. And we're down here on a short-term mission trip uh, to visit our friend, Ronnie Garcia, and to uh, help out this week with some of the rebuilding efforts down in Puerto Rico. Uh, we thought it would be a good opportunity for uh, members of our congregation and even members of uh, the PCA who have not heard of what's going on going on down here in Puerto Rico to learn a little bit about uh, the, the church plants that are down here and the recovery efforts that are underway and ways that you can possibly get involved um, as well. So quick background, uh, I've known Ronnie since college. We uh, met each other our junior year and I have been friends ever since. So there's a a good amount of history. And I know Derek and Ronnie went to seminary together. Um, So I think combined, we've definitely known each other probably over 10, 15 years. Um, So we'll try to keep the inside jokes to a minimum um, for the sake of all of our listeners. But we uh, just wanted to know a little bit of the background. So, I guess the first question, and you'll hear Derek pop in with questions as well as me, uh, it goes to Ronnie, and it's just uh, about planning a church in Puerto Rico. Um, Can you kind of build this up to uh, where kind of the church is today here in Puerto Rico?
1: Yeah, how did all this happen? So, Puerto Rico is politically a part of the United States of America, so that's kind of important to note, but while the PCS churches and... Every state in the union. It uh, never had a presence in Puerto Rico. So, my last year at Covenant Seminary, I was approached by a missions pastor from a large church in Birmingham, Alabama, Briarwood Presbyterian Church, and they said that their elders had been praying about planting the first PCA churches there on the island. And the, the vision was never to plant a church, but to plant a whole movement, not to begin a movement, a whole series of churches, really. So, because we're dummies and didn't know what we're doing, um, we decided, hey, planning (laughs) churches sounds really hard. Being missionaries sounds really, really hard. Speaking Spanish sounds really hard. So, let's put those all together and go for it. So, that's how it happened. That's uh, totally true. Everything I just said. And um, so, we started in 2010. And, yeah, Iglesia La Travesía started in our living room just a little Bible study and, um, you know, one of the cool things about the Puerto Rican Latino culture is like if one person catches fire, they invite their entire family. So we're going to was like their aunts and uncles were like, Hey, come on, you gotta check this out. Uh, so it was fun. So it grew and grew and, um, really early on, I just really focused on leadership development. These kind of young, humble, Super talented, godly young men, and I um, had the privilege of sending them to covenant seminary. So a lot of guys have gone to seminary, and graduated, come back, have a couple guys that are there even now. Covenant has been amazing because they give my guys these um, great scholarships, so that's awesome. And um, yeah, so one church uh, turned into two. It's not often that a Spanish-speaking church plants an English-speaking church, but that's what happened. So then that gave uh, you know birth to Trinity Church. And then, of course, these two churches are helping presently to plant a third church, Iglesia Comunion, with these young leaders that we've got going on. So we're just uh, just keeping the thing rolling. So that's where we are now.
0: Wow, that's great. Now, uh, real quick, Marnie, you used the uh, we. When you say we, I imagine you mean you, is it you and your family. So,
1: Yeah, the Garcias. So my wife, Amanda,
0: we have got four
1: little buddies here who are now very culturally Puerto Rican. Uh, but, yep, so yeah, it's when, you, when you decide to be a missionary, um, it's a
0: whole family affair. Sure, sure, I imagine. Um, now, obviously, Puerto Rico, uh, other than folks knowing about J-Lo and some of the uh, celebrities that have come off Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico definitely was on everybody's minds um, after Hurricane Maria. So uh, I guess the next series of questions is, is going to be kind of revolving around what ministry looked like here on the island, pre-Maria and maybe post-Maria.
1: Gee, I would prefer just to talk about the stars and the celebrities here. J-Lo, Mark Anthony, <laughs> Carlos <laughs> Murray, We've got a Supreme Court Justice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so to my heart. So, um, yeah, so... <clears throat> What what do I say? Derek, have you ever lived three months without electricity? I've never lived three days without electricity. <laughs> I think that was probably my experience until, of course, 2017 when Hurricane Maria ravaged our island. And um, so it was a Category 5, uh, and then once it hit shore... Um, once it hit shore, it turned into a category 4 and it mowed right dead center through the island. Uh, Didn't miss us at all. And it 100% we lost 100% electricity the whole island. It's not like most of the island lost electricity. Like the whole island, no cell phone coverage, no nothing. It's interesting because we had four different families that are living, um, are staying with us, just to through during that time of storm. And all four of them lost just about everything. Wow! So it was really intense. It was, a, it was really intense for the whole island. We couldn't even leave our neighborhood for several days. Just you know, couldn't clear the trees and so forth. Couldn't drive out. You can walk out. So. Um, so we were actually pretty blind for a while. We didn't. We didn't know. A lot of people in the United States knew more about what was going on than we did. We just had no. It's kind of scary, honestly. Or it was probably scary for our friends who were watching it on TV and didn't know and couldn't get in contact with us. Right? It
0: was yeah. Interesting. I remember just intermittent Facebook posts that would go up when, when you had a chance. Maybe cell coverage came on momentarily, and I believe Amanda would just post up. Just hey, mm-hmm. pers- here's our status. Okay. Not sure when yeah, you know, when we can post again. Um, so yeah, and I was just definitely praying for you guys during that.
1: I appreciate time. that. I thought it was pretty dumb of you to
0: send us ice cream. <laughs> that that, there's never a bad time for bluebell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh so Yeah, so what happened is, you know, we're we're a PCA church over here, and traditionally speaking, PCA churches are pretty cognitive, you know, kind of, um, and that's probably, it was the case for us, but my goodness, you you know, when you look outside, there's so much devastation, like, you have to do something about it. You can't just, it's not business as usual. You have to get involved. So, we... Didn't know what we we're doing, really, but we just began to. We converted our church into a refuge center. We've got a washing machine and a dryer. We've got a generator. We had the entire community invited staying there, uh, washing their clothes, trying to reach out. Um, we began to go to major distributors like Goya, whatever you know, you know. what I'm talking about like the, yeah. So we went to Goya, and it was like, and I'm talking, listen, like you can't use credit cards, so we're like, we're all cash. Yeah. It's like going back to the barter system, like gave it two cigarettes for like three cans of beans you know like that kind of world it was wow. like crazy back then where did you find cash well we had um, a- we were able to get cash from people in the United States who could access a forest and then and then fly they were flying in on emergency like these emergency relief missions and it was crazy and dropping big old sweaty water <laughs> like, it was so uncomfortable it's like like we're drug dealers or something yeah. But then we would take this cash to these uh, distributors or these big factories in like Goya or whatever, and we were buying food by the pallets and water and so forth. And what we would do is we break them down and turn them into like these survival kits. So we'd give it to a family that would, that, would give them, that would allow them to survive for about 10 days, roughly, right? And then we started identifying all of the isolated um, population centers and communities, and we just started doing missions. You know, Everyone's going to all places, you know, going all over the island, and that's really when we started hearing the horror stories. I mean, that's you know things like um, diabetes. If you can't refrigerate your um, uh, insulin, and your insulin. Thank no. you. That becomes critical. You know, something that was manageable becomes critical. We're also like dialysis, you know, guys who have kidney issues, you know, it's manageable until you don't have electricity and can't get dialysis. So, anyway, um, and then dehydration. So, you know, you're more, you're, you're elderly, you're sick, you're young, are more vulnerable. And, you know, we sure. go to these mountain communities and they're like, man, we heard about someone so buried their dead out back. And we're just like, man, it was. Those are nuts. Those are crazy times. You know, you don't learn about that in seminary, Derek. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. So, uh, anyway, we began to minister to them, and, uh, and that was really what we did for months. And that was just relief. But then, you know, you can't do relief forever, you know, so you have to transition it to something else. We started reading When Helping Hurts by Corbett Bickert, and that book was really changed we could have probably done missions of relief indefinitely and probably not helped anyone meaningfully long term like that kind of toxic charity mentality um, or phenomena I guess you should say Right? can you encapsulate the message of that book in
2: a couple of sentences
1: Um, yeah so that your good intentions of wanting to help people could conceivably um, um, keep them impoverished by relating to them Incredibly. So they're just kind of refrain, they say um, poverty is not principally a lack of resources it's a lack of relationships and um, and so if all you're doing is throwing money at things you're actually not helping them to take charge of their own lives and help themselves empower the people right it just it creates these systems of dependence and uh, you know after a storm where you're just used to being a receiver um, that's a real risk it's a real risk so after we began, you know, ended that sort of phase, and we felt like the island was stable, it wasn't great, but stable, we limited our focus from all over the island, which we were, you know, doing missions every day, to just one particular community. And we adopted this community, where you guys have been working this week, called Sector La Bermiga. Yeah. And at first, they just received our missions of relief, right? We we're just bringing them water and water purification systems and generators, just things like that. Um, but what we realized is that FEMA, which had come at this point helping, you know, most communities, was, would not help this community because they're squatters. In other words, they don't have titles to their land, and so they don't qualify for a lot of the resources. Okay. Uh, like, if you need a new roof, you lost a roof. Well, FEMA will help you unless you don't own your house, right? and if you don't have title. So they were pretty vulnerable. So we said, hey, your people will be our people. And we just really started to relate to them and uh, invest in them in just this one particular community. And so that's how we got here. And that's what you guys have been doing. I don't know. What's you experience been like this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's been great. You know,
2: I think one of the – we've loved just – being able to be a part of it, and I think one of the really encouraging things f- for us, and um, one of the one of the really helpful and striking things, has been able has been that we've been able to be on a short term portion of a long term project, and so like we've been able to just come for a week, but we know that when we leave, like it doesn't stop, and we know that. We're able to, to help and be, you know, just a small cog in a big wheel, but that, that wheel's wheel is going to keep moving, and that's that's been super encouraging to me, to, to know, you know, we're, we're not just coming and being a part of, just kind of, you know, being the laborer that comes in and saves the day, and feeling, you know, leaving, feeling like, well, you know, didn't you do a great job, you kind of rescued some people this week, um, which, of course, is impossible. <laughs> Christ. too, um, and uh, but but it's been so encouraging to know that you know we've been able to do our part and um, and it's been hopefully a blessing to people, but also just to know that when we when we leave like that it continues you know we're just we're just swinging some hammers
1: uh, but really the real work keeps keeps going and that's that's been really encouraging to me. Gee, how's it been for you? Like working? I mean, because we have actually hired people from the community to work on their own homes and, you know, we're starting these micro businesses and things like that. So you've actually been working with people in the community. How's that been for you? Like working with those guys?
0: It's been really great. So I've really enjoyed, um, getting to know some of the folks who are actually there in the neighborhood. Um, getting to know some of their pets that, that are hanging out and, you know, hanging out outside and, uh, to have them engage and, it's great to put just know who you're doing this for and be able to shake their hand in the morning walk up and say buenos dias and they're saying buenos dias and and you kind of they see you working and helping in their neighborhood Um, I know that the uh, the gentleman who's providing the the meals for us this week um, my understanding is he comes from that comes from the neighborhood
1: he was one of our first uh, micro businesses yeah we helped him start his own little catering business yeah and I, I think the food's been
0: fantastic. Um, I've never, I haven't been left wanting for anything uh, on the food side of things. Okay. Um, and, well, and I would just clarify, it's not that
1: you're working for them, it's that you're working with them. And that's a really big, important thing. Like, you're working with
0: Yes, them. yeah.
1: Because, you, know, we, we, you know, you've heard me say it this week, but a man with a job is a force to be reckoned with, right? Right. The image of God is being restored in them. That's I like,
0: Absolutely. That's yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think that... Uh, is probably most clearly illustrated with uh, the framing of the foundation that we've been doing for, uh, I believe his name is Rafa. Uh-huh. Don Rafa. Don Rafa. And um, not knowing much of his story, uh, I've come to learn that, uh, and I don't know if I should explain it or you should explain kind of his backstory. Um, but the the briefing that we got when we got here, I believe when uh, the missionaries were out there in the neighborhood, Uh, And they knocked on his door and kind of said, hey, you know, your house is next. Uh, I guess he greeted them with kind of long hair, long beard, and a wheelchair. Um, And my understanding is over the course of maybe the next day or two, when everyone's kind of explaining what's going on, um, his appearance and demeanor started to change. The wheelchair got parked in the corner, and it became evident that this gentleman was a very good woodworker. Well, you know,
1: just to clarify, because what happened is yeah. he saw that we were doing work in the community. And of course, we want to touch every single family in this community. We, we know every single family in this community. But he was like, what are y'all going to work in our house? You know, and we said, well, we're not. We said no to him.
0: Mm, okay. and, he said,
1: he, and then we said, what talents, skills and talents do you have, Don Rafa? And he's like, I don't do anything. And then we learned that he had something, and we said, listen. If you provide X amount of dollars into your own house, then we'll come alongside and help you, but we're not gonna do this for you. You've got to take ownership and responsibility for your own house. And, and we said, we believe in you. We're going to help you sell your wood products. Like, we believe in you. You can do this. Yeah. That's when man gave himself a shave, got cut cut hair, cut, mm. cut down yeah. smoking from three packs to one pack, <laughs> got, got out of the wheelchair, you know, yeah. cleaned himself up a little bit. Now he's actively participating in his own rehabilitation. Right. Like, that's huge for us. Yeah, as absolutely. opposed to, oh, like, these North Americans are just going to come and help help these poor people and then leave. You know, no, no, no. no. Right. We'll, we'll help because we're generous and charitable and so forth. But you, he, they have to take responsibility for this, right? We're not going to bail them out. And when they do that, when we force that issue, it helps them recover their own their own dignity. That's been such a you know, such a really cool thing just to
2: to hear and see, and not only to hear it in theory but see it in practice. And, you know, I mean, it's got my brain just, you know, spinning from day one to try and figure out, like, gosh, how can we put this into place, you know, in the communities of need in the And how can we take these concepts and seeing how they're put into practice, you know, here in the context of disaster recovery to do the same in the context of just, you know, regular life um, in, in material poverty? Um there's plenty of it where we live too and that's that's been a wonderful piece of this experience for me it's been it's been a, a vision casting time in many ways even while getting my hands dirty actually doing stuff has really got my brain
1: spinning about you know, what does what this look like in our place you know it's interesting and the encouragement that I want to give to everyone who's listening to the show which is pretty much only my mom, mom if you're out there hey. this is for you hey um, is and is that we really see ourselves as average to below average people. Like, we're not like these superstar Christians who just know how to do social justice or whatever. We just, we're like, okay, we're going to read a book. And then we read it. And we're like, okay, we're going to try to put this in practice. And then we make tons of mistakes. But we're figuring out. We're evolving. And really amazing things are happening, but we're really just quite normal people, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet the Lord's doing amazing, extraordinary things. They're sort of really ordinary, but a little bit of intentionality, right, with this whole and really seeing the dignity of the other. And it's just been great. It's been a really positive experience for us as it's been a growing experience for us. And, I mean, again, for other even church plants, you don't have to become this mega church to start doing this kind of stuff, right? I think that word dignity, you know, is so important, too. I heard John
2: Perkins say one time, you know, you don't, you don't give a human being dignity. Like, that's God's job. They're born with dignity. Mm-hmm. You know, you affirm their dignity. And that's just been really important to think about. Like what does it look like to affirm the dignity of a human being, you know, in, in the way that we love and serve, you know, one another, but also in the way that we allow them to take responsibility for themselves and to give them work
1: to do but it's helpful to see that in practice this
0: week. That's a great paradigm um, affirming affirming dignity. So as we were having dinner tonight, it became evident what a small world it is. Um, we were talking about friends and folks we know, and, and inevitably someone at the table was like, ah, I went to school with them. or well, yeah, I, you know, they were an intern for me. Um and, and as we've been here, it, it's the team aspect is also something that I found really encouraging. That, you know, yes, the churches are involved, but the churches are not doing this by themselves. Right. Um, and so I was uh, curious, Brian, if you could just tell the folks a little bit about the team or, or the, the organizations that maybe have partnered together um, down here in Puerto Rico to make this kind of investment in uh, Sector La Cormiga
1: so basically what it is is you have Iglesia La Travesía that's the anchor church and then Trinity Church which is the daughter church and these two churches partner together in this community and um, and we bring of course um, some finances and volunteers and so forth we also work with Hunger Corps and Hunger Corps is a nonprofit, uh, just a great organization that specializes in uh, construction and kind of a you know, harder more difficult areas like they have projects in the Amazons and stuff like that and then also there's another local church here um, Casa de Bendición uh, who provides uh, the pastor there great friend of ours um, provides some of the sort of pastoral oversight to the community itself now we're in the community relationally year around now what's important to know is that lots and lots of churches, like you guys, like Hope Prez, right, Trinity Grace, will send down volunteers for a one-week trip, right, Well, they'll come down and stay with us, and they'll work for a week, and so... We're actually leveraging these short-term train—excuse short, me—short-term teams that are coming each week uh, to help with some of the construction and the rehabilitation so that that kind of gets us social capital to keep serving and loving the community as we do vocational training and micro-businesses and so forth. So when we think about partner churches, really, I mean, we're the ones who are present here year-round working with the community, but... All- Really, it's tons and tons and tons of churches who will take time out of their own scheduled finances, to come be with us for a week. So that's kind of a kind of a cool deal. A lot of people involved, really. How does the like? How does the spiritual development you know, portion come in? How do you guys handle that? We do a little bit of everything from um, doing youth group there Friday nights. Um, but you know what it really is? It's just the ministry of presence. We're there. Um, for their birthdays, we bring in birthday cakes to celebrate the kids in the neighborhood. We're, and there's there's a funeral just a couple months ago. Who do they call to do the funeral service? Well, we've become their resident pastors. Yeah. Um, so it's, we're there for Thanksgiving. We did a big old Thanksgiving service there. We, we throw a big old community-wide uh, barbecues um, even right there on that basketball court where y'all have been staying Yeah, uh, with music and everything. So it's really just the power of presence. We just keep showing up. Of course, we're hiring people from the community to work on their own homes. But it's just being present for everyday life. That's really the main way the spiritual formation is happening. We do
0: things like Bible studies and so forth. But really, it's just our presence. Well, uh, I guess that kind of leads maybe to my final question: Is uh, the uh, the short term mission trips from uh, churches like ours, churches maybe larger larger than ours, is that the best way that uh, maybe we can uh, support in the effort? Down here uh, with with uh, sector La Hormiga and, and the ministry here in Puerto Rico.
1: Yeah, most certainly. Um, you know, short term teams are great, and we're set up for that, and it really does advance our our efforts. So, if you're out there and you want to do a short term team, man, give us a call. Great prayer, pray for us. It gets lonely out here. We're on an island, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's less a little bit hard, you know. It's going to be years until this island is put back together in some ways. I mean, the storm was really Hurricane Maria was really devastating. And then, um, uh, if, if churches have uh, finite financial support for these kinds of um, national emergencies and these kinds of things, we, we most certainly. Ooh. use 100% of that. There's no, like, administrative fee that we're taking out. This isn't paying for any salaries or anything. It goes straight to the reconstruction and rebuilding effort in Laramiga. So
0: which we, we need partners soon for that, too. Fantastic, man. Well, I've had a great, don, great time down here this week. I know it's coming to an end uh, far too short. Um, but I, I don't have any more questions for you, my friend. I don't know if Derek has any follow-ups or anything that he'd like to say.
2: Uh,
1: well, I mean, you know, trade deadline, you know, it's just passed. Can you give us your thoughts? Uh, count it, you heard it right here. 2019, World Championship <laughs> Masters. You heard it, folks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, these guys. Um, I think that kind of wraps it up for the night, folks. But, uh,. Ronnie, I just want to say thanks for having us down here, man. Um, it's been—I'm uh, I'm glad. Twenty some odd years ago, uh, the Lord saw fit for our paths to cross, and it's just been a, a pleasure to be down here and working alongside you.
1: Gee, I love you so much, man. What a, what a joy to be with you. You're never a
0: love back though. You always bring storms when you come. <laughs> I do. I—I'm just something. <laughs> I must have some sort of tropical depression thing going on. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, listeners
1: at home, geez, come to Puerto Rico twice, always brings these little tropical storms with um, things for nothing. <laughs> you know, tropical depression is uh, a lot better than, you know,
2: midwestern northern Midwestern depression. That,
0: that is true. Yeah, that is true. We do have the, the
2: ocean there.
0: Yeah, right, right next door.
2: They're going to be depressed. This is the place to do
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, folks, if you've, if you've listened this far, thanks for listening. I hope this has been informative. Um, and <laughs> that's a terrible outro, but uh, we'll try that again right now. Thanks so much for that. <laughs> that's perfect, actually.
2: I It's a lot
1: better than my depression joke. This is meandering all over everywhere.
0: This is devolving fast. (laughs) Turn off your radios now. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much for listening, y'all. I hope this has been informative um, and giving you a little more insight into what the PCA is doing down in Puerto Rico and maybe how you can get involved. Hope you all have a great rest of the day. Special thanks to Hope Prez and Trinity Grace. Thanks, Ronnie. All right. See y'all.